0: Today in the studio, I've got Matt Johnson from uh, Crossroads uh, in in Piedras Negras, Mexico, and Justin Ebert, um, Youth Director Supremo. Uh, I think that's Spanish. Anyway, um, I'm Canadian, so what do I know? I'm just French poorly. Um, But we are excited to to kind of uh, give you this opportunity to kind of know a little bit more about uh, the field that, especially if you're kind of a Sunnybrook person and you're listening to this podcast, about what's happening in Piedras, uh, about Matt's ministry that's happening there, and about how we're going to be partnering with them in, um, in March. So, hope you enjoy this. You know, Justin, lately, our uh, podcasts have had a real strong missions emphasis. Uh, a little while ago, we actually had the priors in from Papua New Guinea, and then yeah. we had the Greers from Japan. Um we totally missed out on having Rafael and Agnieszka Steve. That's bad. I know That's it is bad. bad. It is bad. I you know what I'm just I hate doing this but I'm going to blame me. <laughs> I really, I would much rather, I would what? much rather choose someone else to blame. He would much
1: rather take all of the credit and none of, none of the blame. Would,
0: my favorite way to live is all of the credit and <laughs> none of the blame. Um, but it would have been good to have them in. Actually, that would have been real fun. So next time yeah. they come, we'll definitely do that. But we're excited also to have Matt Johnson in from our field in Piedras Negras, Mexico. Uh, Matt works with the parent organization Crossroads, which is the ones that manage that site, and they've got a bunch of different places. Um, high school, Justin, did you ever go down? Because I think we were going down there like 2007. I think might have been our first year. Seven or eight. I think. I think my first time to go down
1: there was actually when I was interning with you, and we helped out with uh, one of the houses. Yes. I lost the famous
0: Finger incident. I lost my
1: pinky. Thanks. I I, I blame Steve Carpenter. I, it wasn't Steve Carpenter's far, fault, but I will blame him anyway. Um, then went down there in twenty, maybe twenty twelve, when we worked on the backside of the orphanage, and
0: yep. I think you guys yep. laid a nice slab back there. It
2: still looks great.
0: Awesome. Yep. Yeah. So we've we've been going down there for a long time, and and actually that field, uh, the first place that we went working with Crossroads was New Orleans mm-hmm. after, right Katrina after Katrina hit, um, and then that really kind of caused us to not only that was a really the spark for a lot of our mission stuff which steve broadway now is our missions um overseer our missions director um and then and then we went to appalachia and then i think about the same year we were doing appalachia and andrea uh, my wife actually was going down there quite a bit uh, or going out to appalachia quite a bit and then we started to go down in mexico my first time down was um the time that we began to work on the The community center building that we we built and i think we i think we did that in the the beginning of 2010 Hmm. if i remember right february february of 2010 so um it's coming up to 10 years here uh this next year it'll be a 10 year 10 years that that community center's been in use so it's kind of a cool thing but we've got matt johnson Mm -hmm. here um who has been down in uh in piedras for how long now matt
2: Full-time, give or take, about two years now. About two years. so I've gone ever since uh, we did that big trip for the community center, and it's almost done finally. Yes.
0: So so was that the first time that you went was when we worked on the community center?
2: I think so. Okay.
0: Went with your family?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. Cool. It was a good time. Cool. Very cold and wet.
0: (laughs) And uh, so tell us a little bit about, like, specifically what the field in Piedras Negras actually looks like. Like, what are some of the ministries? What are some of the things that you're doing specifically? And then not just you, but what other other ministry-type things are happening on the field in Piedras?
2: Okay. So I'm actually the whatever you would call it, project manager, construction manager for our field. Um, one of the founding projects or principles or ideas for our field when it was started back in 93, it's really easy to remember, it shares the birth year with me. Okay. So I don't get lost on that. <laughs> um, was to build basically a Christian neighborhood as a means to influence the city, to be something that sets an example because it has a tangible difference just because of what the people who live there believe. Um, not because the houses are better or cheaper, anything that really has to do with the labor involved, but really just that these are people who were originally selected by their churches to have the opportunity to move into this neighborhood and so it's kind of a unique opportunity to see what happens when you create an intentional community of believers just in a living space. It's very hard to manage that in the United States. You know, you can't just tell everybody at your homeowners association, "Y'all are out. We're going to move in." My uh, no, but my every top time a house comes, comes up, we just
1: buy it. It's called Park <laughs> yes, View. It's Sunnybrook park is, view.
2: is very close to accomplishing <laughs> that in the states, um, mm-hmm. but you've still got some rough spots around the edges. Some <laughs> holdouts like steve that aren't very interested in living (laughs) closer to certain people on staff i won't name them uh so that's been going on right now we're at about 32 houses um i believe 30 are actually lived in at this point by local families um we have one house that we are almost done it'll hopefully be sold off and inhabited no later than summer that sounds a little late honestly Uh, And then we're hoping to start two or three new ones this year. And then we have 10 lots and then we're out of land. When did you, when did you start? Like the one that you said
0: you're about to sell, when did you start that?
2: Oh, we did all of the framing, help build hope style this last March. It's another one of our fields that just kind of pops up all over the States. If anyone's kind of familiar with it, basically what we do is we show up with a various size team and frame an entire house off slab in the parking lot of people's churches it's a real easy way to get everybody involved if you can if you have the patience or the skill it's optional either one uh to drive a nail you can basically help build a house uh and that's kind of the model they use and they travel all over the country doing that um we've done that i want to say three or four times i bet you we i bet you we probably built
0: first time we built three houses we've never built less than two and so I bet you were at the somewhere in the 7 to 9 houses that we built here mm-hmm. in Sunnybrook. And and it really is a great it's a great day. You know, Justin can really, literally bring out two of his three kids yeah, and sure. they can get out and Sophie and um, and and Canyon can have a great time as well mm-hmm. as Justin and Debbie kind of working together. And so yeah, we we just finished one in September. Where mm-hmm. how many did we build there? Was it 2? Yeah, we built two just yeah. in September. So.
2: so we did that. It was kind of our first try at doing that in Mexico, but I thought you know, it was a great opportunity to not only build the house a little easier, honestly, as well as get a lot of people from local churches involved. Uh, the construction side of things in Piedras has kind of always been the hardest to integrate with local churches. It's a lot easier to just have groups come down from the states. They work with me for a week, give or take. And we make as much progress as we can on these houses, and we kind of were in a position where I was like, you know, I really feel like if we do it this way, because we've seen such success, we've seen how simplistic and even easy it is to oversee. um, We could get a lot of people from a lot of different churches involved, and so we had, I think, two or three smaller groups from the states with us, and then we had about eighty to ninety people from local churches come out. Oh, wow, that's great! Which was outstanding. We were blown away by the response. We Really didn't know we actually scheduled it on some kind of holiday. And so it was like, hey, y'all have a day off. Come help a bunch of people you can barely talk to frame a house. But it was really cool to see people come together.
0: That's awesome. And so you got one done. Um, and I guess some of you are probably listening going, well, that sounds like it take probably take a long time to build a house. But in terms of some of the other projects, and there really is, there really, I mean, I've been pretty involved since 2010. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, um It's interesting how, like, the goal isn't just to get it done. Like, that's really not the goal. Like, what I love about Crossroads is it's not, hey, guys, we got to get this house done. We got to get this house done. We got to get this house done. That's not it. So, tell a little bit about, like, why Crossroads um, has this field in Piedras Negras, Mexico. How does it. Um, I'm not looking at this selfishly. Like, how can it benefit my church? That's not what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. But help me see how it like has benefited Sunnybrook in terms of even what the the plans or the purposes of what like a trip going down to Crossroads. What are some of the things that uh, that that we have learned or could learn? Because we're Justin, we got a big trip. Reason why you're here mm-hmm. this morning, so you're kind of trying to really do some good recruiting at a fundraiser on Sunday to yep. head down in March. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about kind of how all that fits together.
2: Um. I mean, I feel like it fits together in a lot of different ways, and so I'm just going to try to run down the alley that I usually use, and that's that I believe one of the best things Crossroads does and the way that we do missions is that it's um, coming alongside and empowering and partnering with local ministries. You can, you know, for all you want, you can move into a new area and you can pretend you understand what's going on, but it takes a lifetime to really understand the heart and the needs of a community. Um, Judy, our team leader right now, has been down there for about 29 years, so she's probably on the Mm -hmm, edge mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. very least of understanding those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you know, you're still never going to overcome certain hurdles just because you're raised in a different environment. Sure. Um, And so we try to do as much as we can to partner with those ministries that are born and raised in those areas that – these are local people who saw local needs and they made a ministry and they could use our support and they can use our partnership in that sense. And so we come alongside them uh, so that they can do ministry better. Um, and I love, one of that, I love that idea. I really
0: do. I love the fact mm-hmm. that it's not us going down and seeing a need and then trying to prop up something. Right. It's homegrown.
2: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's we're here to help you, but we want you to own this. We want this to be your thing, and we do that across all of our fields. Yeah, I'm not aware of any situation where we're like, this is our thing. This is Crossroads yeah. fixing a community that we are not naturally part of. Louisville's a little different because most of the staff lives there, has grown up there as sure. much as people do in an area like that. Um, And then another part of what we do is we connect churches in the states to those ministries in their own ways. And like Sunnybrook has with Casa de Paz over the last nine or ten years, however long it's been, that uh, relationship grows and develops into something unique and special in a lot of different cases. There are just churches that latch on to certain aspects of ministry and the ministries that we partner with and you never really know where that will end up.
0: And well, and, and talk a little about, you know, we, it's kind of a little bit of a tagline, you know, Casa de Paz, we all know what that is, but Casa de Paz is an orphanage. So talk a yeah. little bit about, you know, that what's happening there with uh, with
2: Alex. Um, so it's an Rosie. orphanage run by a couple named Alex and Rosie. Um, they have varying amounts of children that stay with them at any given time. They've had as many as I think around 30 or so, which yeah. is a lot of children. Yes. Yeah. Um, I noticed nobody on staff has it's 30 children, <laughs> no matter how much I they love them. Cumulatively
1: <laughs> on staff, it seems like we have 30 children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Count, right. That's counting some of our adults. Yes, well,
2: exactly. The
1: ones who are eternally children. Adult yes. children
2: um and so that number varies as they receive children from people who are no longer able to take care of them or if the government places Mm -hmm. or the city i guess would be more specific the city places uh children that are going through extremely difficult times or difficult family situations or in some cases the children themselves are difficult um and so that number fluctuates just throughout time as they come and go um, and they've been doing that for at least as long as we've been coming down, as yeah. far as I'm aware. And they've been a very important partner uh, with Crossroads and with Sunnybrook at Pine Extension.
0: Yeah. And so we, you know, we have like a bit of a sponsorship type program that actually happens. And we try to help Alex and Rosie and the work that they do. And there's actually a team of women who have on a number of different weekends gone down and served served that orphanage and cared for them. so, mm-hmm. And that's from our 146 ministry. So that's kind of a natural type thing. Um, so one of the things that I love about what Crossroads does is it really allows lots of things to happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's really, really a powerful thing to be in a place that you don't really, uh, you're not used to. That you're not a part of and it's not it's never just about one thing when anybody tells me about a mission trip and they it's all about the people that they're serving or it's all about themselves and their experience or it's all about why can't it just be about more than we understand Mm -hmm. you know and so I know that I, I, I hope I've been a blessing to others on mission trips. Um, I definitely have been blessed, and I think that's just mm-hmm. the way it always is. When when the church is active, the church is blessed, and the church is strengthened, and hopefully the communities that we're trying to serve are also strengthened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the day, what does the day specifically look like? When we go down in, in March, like um, maybe there'll be some parents that are going to be watching this video, and they're going to be having some of their kids. So. Talk, what, just walk through what a day looks like when when a team comes down and goes on a mission trip to uh, to Piedras. What does a day look
2: like? Okay, so you know it kind of varies throughout the year and mm-hmm. depending on the time of year. So like during the summer, Mexico gets a little warm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so I drag everybody out of bed obscenely early for their taste, so that we can start working and all that jazz. Um, but in general, what we do is the first half of the day we'll start with devotions. We'll start with quiet time. We feel like it's very important that you know, you took the time to go somewhere to serve and be part of the kingdom and what the kingdom, what is happening in the kingdom in a different part of the world um, than you're used to. And so it's very important to start every day very intentionally and approach that with a certain degree of reverence, I think is very important, not reverence for Mexico itself or not reverence for what I'm doing or what Crossroads is doing, but to allow yourself to be molded by what you see and what you experience. Um, and even pray that you can help mold the people around you. I think yeah. that's very important. That yep. group dynamic and that vulnerability as a collective yeah. uh, can really um, amplify the effect of short-term missions. Yeah. Um, and so after that, we usually do construction projects. That can. We're still almost done that community center yep. after only 10 years, give or take. Um, and then right now we're building houses and kind of kicking that into high gear. And we'll do that. Most people will do it about half of the day and we will cut yeah. off after lunch or so, and then we have oppor- various kinds of opportunities for people to go and do uh, outreach, interact with children at Casa de Paz, go to the school and we do English lessons at a private school there. Uh, lately we've been kicking up uh, work we've done with refugees or people seeking asylum in the United States um, who so are we,
0: still on the American side? Who are still on the Mexican yeah. side, yes. And so, yeah, that's kind of a, a different world on that side. Yeah. We'll talk about that kind of at the end of our podcast, mm-hmm. but
2: yeah, that's a different world. So, we try to offer you know, you can mm-hmm. do construction mm-hmm. or you can do outreach or you can do both. Generally, people do both. Um, and you have that opportunity pretty much every day. And people kind of settle into groove. They're like, you know, I'd really like to do these things. And then the rest of the time I can do work. Or there are people that are just love doing outreach or love spending time with kids and we find ways to plug people in to where they feel like they fit in where they're able to serve but we also try to challenge people to do more of what is hard for you Mm -hmm. yeah um one of the best things i mean formationally for me
1: my first mission trip was honduras back in 2004 2005 paul had a sister who was working down there and um went with austin and morgan and a few others and it really was the doing the work that i wasn't gonna do myself that mm-hmm. i think molded me yeah. You know, I, yeah not stuff i would ever choose to do wasn't stuff that i wanted to do but i did it and i worked hard at it because that's what we were there to do you know when mm-hmm. i was going somewhere and living in a situation and you're you're kind of put into a different context and that just shifts the way you see things it shifts your thinking for a bit and if you engage that process well it really does have a a, you know you're you're coming down here to do work but really there's work being done Mm -hmm. I feel like in you and I mean I'm I'm guessing that's probably why you're you're where you are today right I mean you going on some of those trips formed you and I mean I mean talk a little you can finish your story here but I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got onto the field you know
2: um, so my first trip down was, I think, that big one in mm-hmm. February of mm-hmm. 10 or 9. I don't really ten. remember. There's it's ten all February a blur. So February of 10. I think I've been saying it was February of 9, but <laughs> whatever. I'm a construction guy. We can't keep track of numbers.
0: <laughs> Six or five.
2: I went to Ozark. We don't do math. <laughs> <badics. laughs> math for uh, life. Exactly. Um. And so, you know, at that point, I had never really done a lot of construction stuff, and you hadn't really a lot at that point either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't something I grew up with or was really accustomed to, um, but just working with some of the great guys from Sunnybrook who this has just been what they do with their lives. I really fell in love with serving in that way and working with my hands. Um, I also just personally enjoy the tangibility of the results of things. Like I can drive around Stillwater and there's a certain bank in town that's it's like, you know, I did this kind of work on that and that bank is still standing it was last I checked. <laughs> I don't drive down that street. It's on duck. Um, so I really fell in love with that. Well, Ellen Higgins
0: was somebody that really, I remember you saying when you were younger that you, you didn't say, I want to go work on the fields in, in Piedras, but you did say this quite a bit. You would say, um, I think my life, and it was Alan that you kind of, I think, saw the example of this, was I think I want to have a job and, uh, you know, try to figure out what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. But then I want to have a job where I have the space in the room and even the the money so that I can go and do some of the things that you saw Alan do, and you worked with Alan. And so Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of a connection there. So it's really interesting that a young man just kind of seeing an example of not your typical missionary Mm -hmm. kind of really steered and shaped you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel super blessed to have been part of Sunnybrook, and it's a very common thread, I think more common than a lot of places, where we have people who care more about when can i do more missions or how can i do more missions yeah. than they do about their actual jobs yeah i <laughs> That's you know <laughs> uh good bad and different or r- irresponsible yeah. Yeah, but no. it's yeah. you know there are people who really care like hey i'm gonna use all of my vacation time this year and i'm um, how many missions can i go on where can i go on them how much fundraising do i have to do to do these missions how much of it can just come out of normal money well and it's that, you, you know, know without, it's
0: without giving a uh, kind of a weird plug you know the help build hope stuff that comes out of uh, louisville kentucky actually has their Western director who's here, who's a Sunnybrook member, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same thing. He's got these amazing construction, engineering gifts and abilities and a real heart for, and it was just a real blessing. He's one of our elders here, um, Chip Parks, who I just to watch him fall in love with exactly what you were describing Mm -hmm. and would rather... (laughs) See uh, churches build homes for the people in need mm-hmm. than do almost anything else. And to just yeah. see him still being a part of that is really kind of a neat thing that yeah. we need and to be thankful for.
2: It's a great and infectious attitude. I'm yeah. eternally grateful uh, to have seen in the people around me at Sunnybrook. Um, and so that just kind of caught with me and I really fell in love with that. And, you know, there was a time where I did uh, teaching ministry basically. And I realized that wasn't exactly where I fit into serving in the kingdom. And so I returned to doing construction for a little bit and just, you know, continued to try to be available to serve in Mexico however I could. And it just kind of became a natural fit that this was a place I really care about. This is a ministry I really believe in. This is an opportunity and a means of service that I am passionate about and I can see myself continuing to do. And one of my favorite things is kind of opening that up as an option to, you know, we work with a lot of high school kids. I never thought I would be as close to a youth minister as I am now. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, they go home eventually. (laughs) But, you know, there are some kids that just don't fit, understand how they fit in and how they can serve because they see kind of that traditional ministry model. And there are kids that are just, you know, I want to work with my hands. I want to do things my way. Um at least my way in that kind of service. And it's, you know, I'm not going to be the guy that goes and leads youth groups and stuff. And I can't serve in these ways. And they feel kind of alienated. I don't think that's a bit of a stretch. Um, And then I really enjoy kind of coming along those kids and saying, you know, like, this is a viable opportunity. You can do this all over the place. Like whenever I was in high school, we did that right here in Payne County and all the way out to what is that place? Coil, you yeah, know? like yeah. doing disaster relief yeah, stuff with yeah. tornadoes. If you live in Tornado Alley, you get a lot of opportunities to work with your hands. And well, serve you graduated. And love
0: people. You graduated the year that the tornado hit Joplin, right? I and almost, you were how I many almost times? didn't
2: graduate because yeah. we took so many days off to go <laughs> help in Joplin. I was like, eh.
0: I can fail high school. Did. We, did a, we did a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Justin, talk a little bit about, like, you're planning on taking a trip down to Piedras. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. We had a fundraiser on Sunday. So yeah. just especially for either of those parents that have kind of got a sense of that. But you're even wanting, you know, we're not trying to get as many people as possible, but there's still smoking We are trying spots. to get as many people as possible. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we, we told
1: Crossroads from the beginning we hope to take 50 people. And right now we already have 30. And last Sunday we had a couple of families come up and ask if they could co- – Could join, and even though their kids, they're not in high school necessarily. Their kids aren't in high school, and we said yes Um, because, like Matt said, there's just so many opportunities to serve. You don't have to have a great grasp on construction to be able to come and be helpful. You don't have to be a great evangelist. You don't have to Mm -hmm. be great with kids, but you may have an aspect. You may just have a willing heart, a flexible attitude, and you know for whatever reason. This is something that would be good for you, for your family, and that's something we'd we'd love to partner with you on. And so, yeah, we are going to help build some houses, yep. and we are going to help work with some kids who need to be shown the love of Christ mm-hmm. at an orphanage. And we are going to work with people who have had to leave their homes and yeah. travel to a foreign land as exiles at some level, sojourners as uh, resident aliens somewhere and and don't even feel settled because they're they're not planted somewhere. We're going to help encourage them and serve them in whatever way is um, most helpful for the ministries that are already existing there. Mm -hmm. Um, And in in addition to that, uh, we're able to build a community with us. That's one of the other things that happens. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can think back to every mission trip that I've been on in, in that specific group. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and I've been on a few. You know, there's some there's a memory that happens, and there's um, relationships you build. You get to hear people's stories mm-hmm. and serving alongside people that you already do love. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's just something different, like you said, between sitting and singing with someone on Sunday and then bleeding next to them, you know, and <laughs> um, working and sweating with them, you know, all of that. And so, there, I mean, I could go on as far as mm-hmm. why I think you should come on this trip, uh, but just know that there's spots, and if you have further questions, we'd, we'd love to answer those. Yeah. So what, it's March 14th through the 20th, just FYI.
2: Yep. yep. One thing I'd kind of like to tag on that you started to touch on was that one thing that really sticks out to me in the way you were describing it is that, like, You know, you become part of the fields where you go and you serve. The Mm -hmm. places that you do missions, like you hear stories of guys that were in Mexico way before me, and it's a drastically different place than it was in the late 80s, early 90s. But you hear that story and it's like, this is why Crossroads does things this way, or whatever organization or whatever field you're talking about. It's like, these are the people and the events and the crazy things that happened. And this is, I'm now part of that story yeah, in my own way. Yeah, yeah. And it's an, it's, it may be entirely different. I may never actually meet some of these people, but like I'm part of that because I served in the same way. I served in the same facility. I served the same city and the same needs as those people did. And you really start to get a better grasp of where you fall in, in the story of the people of God and the way that we serve in his kingdom. That can sometimes, at least in my opinion, be hard to understand where you fit in in that scope just showing up on Sunday and maybe Wednesday in kind of the safety of your bubble.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of debate about exactly what short term missions does and whether or not it's worth (laughs) the expense or it's worth the time. And I get it. I I don't I think those questions are even good to be asked. The part that I can't get around is that we don't ask those same questions about everything else. We don't ask like, hey, how valuable is it really that we go to the state championship game and cheer on the Pioneers? Like for some reason we don't like that's just a given. And I'm not even saying it shouldn't be a given. Sure, if our team is going to be in the state championship, I don't know how we don't go. Right. I get that. Um, And then I love the idea of us just saying I can't think really I can't think of anything more important that I can be doing March 14th to 20th. Um, And I'm not saying that everybody has to have that way, but I'm going, yeah, like when I look at it, when I think about the use of my time and the use of my gifts and the use of my abilities and being with other Christian people, I just think missions has to be a regular part of my go component yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of what it means to help other people experience the love of Christ and to serve God and his kingdom and the church. And so that's the part that I love about it. And everybody that's got like a million reasons why not to, I love to point out, but yet you were able to figure out how to do so many other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I go, it comes back to one of the ways that I think through my own walk with Christ is am I thinking about these things consistently? Like that's kind yep. of my big thing mm-hmm. I keep going after, and I love that this has become a consistent part of who we are at Sunnybrook. Um, as we kind of you know wrap up, not in a huge hurry, but just as we kind of wrap up, I mean this immigration thing is a is a big deal on our side of the border. Although it seems to have been quieted down a little bit over the last little mm-hmm. bit, but man, I've saw so many. I've, I, I kind of on the Twitter world, um, I just saw so many ideas and complaints and arguments and problems. Um, and it was really describing more of policy about what's happening on the American side, which, fine, I, I think that's a, those things need to be addressed and mm-hmm. somebody needs to address it. I totally get it. But Matt, you are on the other side of the front lines. And so you're, you've, you've been witnessing some things over the last few years, mm-hmm. people coming out from Central America. And so talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what you've seen in terms of how we got here, Mm -hmm. Um, and then a little bit about, like, kind of what what Crossroads is doing about that, how even our people can be praying for, um, and then possibly, you know, Mm -hmm. what they can be doing in March.
2: Okay, so by comparison to a lot of border crossing towns or towns with border crossings, uh, Piedras is rather small, Eagle Pass is especially small, I mean, I think we're less than a tenth the size of places like Juarez. I don't even know how big like Tijuana is. Those are the two big ones that yep. really stick out and kind of have that defining uh, power or attribute to a lot of um, people just kind of passively viewing from the United States side of things. Um, so we're not really used to being one of those central locations that people talk about, and this is how it happens here, and this is what it looks like when people come Uh, fleeing very dangerous and very dire situations and in a lot of cases abandoning everything they own they still own things it's not that everything was taken away from them it's that holding on to what they had before was not worth what has happened where they are Um, and standing in the face of some very serious uh, dangers and challenges and consequences to staying so around a year or so ago, we found out we had a group of around 2,000 or so people coming up from Central America. Um, one that of was those, around the
0: same time that we kept hearing about this yes, massive amount coming yes, up. Okay. Yes, okay. and
2: I think there was a group of around 10,000 that showed up in Tijuana. It was kind of that had fractured. Still around 10,000 showed up there. So we're still not receiving the crazy numbers, but for a city of our size, People like to say it's a small town. It's actually about a quarter million people, which is the largest (laughs) small town I've ever lived in. Uh, And I don't ever wanna live anywhere bigger, Uh, fingers crossed. And so, you know, my team at Crossroads, we sat there and we're like, you know, we have to do something to help these people. And there were some ideas and attempts thrown around by the city itself, like how do we deal with this? What do we do to kind of diffuse the situation? Because it makes everybody uncomfortable. You suddenly have 2000 extra people in your city. Imagine if that happened in Stillwater, we would have to call it something like Homecoming or Bedlam, or Graduation, <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to get anywhere. You yeah, wouldn't really yeah. know no, what everybody's really, doing really here, and nobody a would. It's really graduation
1: day again. Oh, exactly. That's. am not getting on Perkins Road. This is bedlam why. I live without in the Mexico. football, what's yeah. the
0: point of Bedlam without the football? A lot so you, you of angry, kind of disappointed have. OSU people. I
2: well, I don't think there's any OSU people, but there were some disappointed people. Uh, and so, you know, like, just kind of what happens when those kinds of numbers are injected to a city of pretty much any size. Um, there's a lot of natural and normal consequences that come with that. Sure. That really don't even matter why the people are there or what they're sure. doing there. There's sure. extra people. They so take we got to do space. something as a yes. church. Yes. And so yeah. we realized, you know, these are people of God who are hurting. Um, we don't really know exactly how to help them the best. We've never really tried to do, as far as I'm aware. Uh, in my time in Mexico to be a humanitarian relief organization. Obviously, we've tried to help people in all kinds of situations, dealing with all kinds of life circumstances that bring them uh, to an interaction with us. And this was just something big enough and tangible enough that we said to ourselves, we can't do nothing. We have to be responsible for as many people as we responsibly can. We can't fix it. There's five of us. On a good day. yeah. There's five of us that can show up at the same time. We're not going to be able to help all 2,000 people at once. We don't have the resources. We don't have the know-how. We don't have the understanding. But we have a natural obligation as members of the kingdom of God who claim to have been called to a life of service. Um, and so we started working um, as much as we could with the refugees that were kind of in our circle of interaction or our spheres of influence. And again, kind of like we talked about at the beginning about Crossroads kind of tactic or focus in the way that we do ministry is that we want to be very intentional that when we do things like this, that we're connecting existing churches or existing ministries. Yeah. Um, to serve better, and how can we serve alongside them? How can we bring in churches from the States to serve these people who are serving their community? Yeah, it yep, doesn't help yep. if everyone's like, well, these Americans came and they did all of this for us, and now they're not here and we don't know what to do. Sure. And I'm not even saying Americans would... Americans yeah. probably wouldn't fix it the best. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so we're very intentional. What churches can we partner with here in Piedras that are run by locals that are willing to say... I'm going to do whatever I can to help these people in whatever aspect it looks like. We worked with a shelter that basically housed and fed and took care of people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, We averaged around 65, 70-ish people there at a given time. It was not a facility built for that many people at any means, but it was something somewhere where they were safe, somewhere where they could... You know, kind of reestablish their bearings it's very disorienting to come from south america America. we had people from uh is it still democratic republic of the congo yeah Uh, we had people from cameroon people from all over the world that are just discombobulated that's the best word for it because i'm in a different culture i'm in a different city i'm still not settled and you know once you pack up and you leave the problem place you're not the problems yeah. don't end immediately. Yeah. No yeah. matter where you end up, the yeah. problems don't end immediately. Yeah, follow. Um, and so we worked with them for around a year. Um, and we saw probably about 500 people go through there. Um, mostly what we did there was kind of, like I said, just provide a safe place for them to be a place where they could be, feel as safe and secure as possible while they tried to apply to the United States for refugee status or asylum status. That takes a good click of time depending on kind of your group dynamic. So, you know, traditional family structures are going to be easier, Um, just the way the United States processes that, all the way down to single men are going to have the hardest time, they're going to have the longest wait. And, you know, you're waiting in Mexico from ideally six weeks to six months-ish before you find out if you're accepted or denied, and then you're allowed to enter the United States to continue that process after that i get a little bit fuzzy because i'm not on the u.s side of that yeah yep. um and so just trying to house and care for these people as they go through a very tense and tumultuous waiting period basically to figure out was it worth it everything that i risked to get here and all the hope that i put in hmm. um going somewhere else and sometimes it's people who choose to say you know mexico is better Piedras Negras is better than where I was, and I'm okay with staying here. I feel comfortable in this environment. Um, and some people do do that, and some people that's really their only option other than going back. And we've had people who have had to go back, people who have expended a lot of energy, a lot of their limited resources to risk everything on this attempt. And in the end, it was just you have to go back to where you were from.
0: Wow. So not um, like the government's forcing them. They just they came to that conclusion or a little bit of both?
2: Uh, it can be both. It can be family ties that okay. just kind of rubber band you back to where you were. Sure, it can sure. be the United States says, hey, we don't feel comfortable allowing you in. Sure, but does this, that or that. does then
0: Mexico send them back to Venezuela? Do they do they force them to go back or At, as far
2: as I'm aware? And I'm going to admit, you know, my yeah, knowledge yeah, sure. of Mexican politics is rather limited. Sure. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, there's not a strong push uh, once people have kind of reached our city and reached this point in the process, to load them up uh, in vans yeah, and drive them I'd, back, it's not terribly practical in a lot sure, of cases. Sure. Um, and there have been things where the at least the state government where we're at in Coahuila has extended like work visas for like a year or so. Last I had heard, I don't know the exact process on that, um, but there are avenues and mechanisms. Uh, to provide for people who do choose to stay in certain capacities. And one of
0: the, I mean, this is just kind of really amazing. When I would hear people, you know, have all these ideas about immigration situations, and then I would talk to you and I would hear about, hey, so what did you do today? And it's like I had to clean, like, not clean toilets, like nice toilets, but like (laughs) remove sewage. Yeah. Right? Like human waste Mm -hmm. from these overfilling reservoirs. And it was just kind of like, oh, I think I'd rather tweet something. You know, (laughs) I mean, it's it really is interesting. It is. I mean, it's I was curious to know because I know you pretty well, but it was curious to know, like how you would respond Mm -hmm. to this, because you get a lot of ideas that kind of run around in your head. (laughs) And I really am. I'm really grateful to God that you were able to see what you were able to see in Mm -hmm. those people, these people. Um, made in the image of God, who need to be cared for. Like, hey, listen, you want to have another conversation about what we need to do with the U.S. Senate and with? Um, I, I get it. Like, I'm again, I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. I'm going. Just anybody, anybody want to go down and like empty these these? Uh, what were they? What are they? What were they called? It
2: was a septic tank. The septic but, tank. Like, yeah. anybody want to go down Rough. and
0: kind of? Cle- yeah, anybody want to go down and clean that out? It's like, no, I think I'd rather have an opinion about immigration. And, you know, it's, it's just I'm very, very excited about what Crossroads is doing, about what you're doing, mm-hmm. because um, it's really been given us an opportunity. I mean, we're excited about going down and seeing what this looks like and not in the um, the voyeuristic, you know, mission, yeah. missional voyeurism. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not talking about that. It's not it's not that it's like, no, we really want to help. But they're high school kids. So they're going to have to come back and finish high school, which you guys get. But in the end, we really need to make sure that we're doing Again, that we're doing something that, and I never know where this is going to go. The other thing is, you don't know what's going to happen. Your parents yeah. take you down, Matt, and then all of a sudden we end up here. Justin goes to Honduras, and I guarantee you that God used that in a way to kind of lead you here. Alan Higgins went on a mission trip and that's what caused him to spend so much money and time and resources in Haiti and in Mexico and in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how all of this works together. And so whenever I hear anybody say, you know, it's probably better if we just send them money. I say, but here's the problem with that is that if, if you never get a chance to go to a place and see what it looks like, then you never know if God is calling you there for the most part. Again, mm-hmm. I don't want to say never. It's really hard to know. And so it is the added, the added interaction Mm -hmm. that is just so important for us to see it changes us it hopefully blesses them in some stall i mean we talk about that a lot right for the glory of god for the benefit of others and for our joy Mm -hmm. our joys need to be reshaped into home building and cleaning out septic systems so
2: yeah if you think about it this way you're really just denying yourself an opportunity for joy like the other things will continue to happen regardless of what you do yeah those are constants in the universe yeah
0: that's good any final thoughts, Je? No, I'm just. J- I'm,
2: I'm excited. I, I'm really
1: excited to see some of the students that are coming too, and for them to get to be around you and see your work. And Jim's coming to do some devos for us, and I, yep. Steve's coming to lead some worship. So that that part Steve, I'm really excited about. Bring the
2: piano. Oh, <laughs> the keys.
1: The guitar. tar. we were doing drone stuff. And the drone stuff. The guitar is Remember that.
2: Doing, a, I I have been trying to get Steve to get a guitar for what eight years now. Almost you as long that, as I've that, known Steve. You have that state. huge
1: gazoo you play. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I'd love to Tupperware see keyboard. Tupperware keyboard. <laughs> I'd love to see the drone make it through an entire trip. You know, I've never actually <laughs> had that
0: experience. Okay, so. think about it though, Justin. This, this is. See, this is this is going to be two, and there is a denial of three countries that we've flown that drone in. Yeah. Because we're not, we don't want to talk about the the. It rhymes with (laughs) schmeria. Burma? Just so Facebook doesn't pick it up, we're gonna say schmearia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think Zuck could figure that out. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it's it's it is it's it's exciting. It's good to have you in the studio, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, God blesses you. Head back to Mexico tomorrow, and uh, looking forward. Actually, I'm gonna be headed down next week to do some more tiling in the bathroom because we know how you love tiling. I love tiling, and so is your, is your shower finished? It's Matt and I got a bunch done yesterday, so it's it's definitely gonna be done for Life Group on Sunday. So <laughs> it'll be done I, for Life group in august no it will be It hat you don't understand <laughs> i will not sleep i cannot by there's too there's too much uh spite pride. that will be poured down upon me so i gotta
2: get it I, it's really Do, close does to me, relabeling though. pride as spite make it better uh that makes it clearer i <laughs> <laughs> we'll appreciate that anyway um thanks guys
0: for being in here and we really hope this uh this podcast has been a blessing to you